This is Dave Burnett, and I want to welcome you to today's God's Family Plan podcast. The title of today's podcast is God's New Normal. I want to begin today's podcast by reading the words of Jesus found in Luke 21:28, and I'm reading today from the voice translation. So when troubles begin, don't be afraid. Look up. Raise your head high, because the truth is that your liberation is fast approaching. These words are a portion of Luke's account of Jesus' prophetic warning of cataclysmic and catastrophic events. In previous verses of chapter 21, we find the prophecy regarding the destruction of the city of Jerusalem and the temple. Jesus knew what was ahead for those who listened that day. And as we now know, the Romans did indeed destroy Jerusalem and the temple in 70 A.D. In view of the attack on cities and the attack on churches today, not just in the U.S. but around the world, when we consider this passage, I believe that both its context and its text are meaningful to us today as God's children, as followers of Jesus, as the church. The message of Luke 21:28 is an important message. It's so important that its theme is repeated later in the New Testament in the epistles of both James and Paul. James says it this way in James 1, verse 2, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. And compare that to the theme of the Apostle Paul's message to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5 in the Message Bible. There's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles, because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience within us, and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy, such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary, we can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. These passages reveal a foundational spiritual principle that can be observed throughout biblical history. They also contain prophetic insight and understanding for the time and season we're in today in the summer of 2020 and the last days of the Hebrew year 5780. From these passages, we're invited to discern that as God's children, when troubles come, when fragmented, chaotic tests and trials come, incidentally, notice I said when they come and not if they come, but when they come, They should not blind the eyes of our heart, the eyes of our spirit, from receiving the revelation of a higher truth, the truth of God's will being done on earth as in heaven. Troubles and difficulties should not distort our spiritual insight into a new life of wholeness to be birthed and the unveiling of restoration, redemption, deliverance, and blessing. In John 8, 32, we find that it's God's will for us to know the truth. And when we know the truth, It will set us free. It will launch us into a new era of life in the Spirit. When we're hemmed in by trouble, the revelation of His truth is the way of escape. In order to illustrate how this works, I'd like for us to look at the example from biblical history that's contained in the story of Noah and the flood. Now, many of you may be familiar with this story. In case you're not, it begins in Genesis chapter 6. 
For the purpose of this podcast, I'll try to hit some of the highlights as we move through this story. And after that, I'd like to make five points of application based on what we learn from this story. As we begin the story of Noah and the ark, we find that the world is in a mess. Hmm. Anything sound familiar about that? In Noah's day, mankind had become so evil, perverted, and morally corrupt that God decided that all humanity ought to be destroyed. Some might question the harshness of God's judgment in this, but God's judgment is always right, it's always just, and it's always fair. Now, not that I need to defend God's judgment, but to that point, the psalmist tells us in Psalm 119, verses 137 through 138, uh, reading from the voice translation, You are good and just, O Eternal One, and your rulings are right. You've set out your decrees in justice, and they can be trusted. What God pronounces as sin is sin. My opinion does not count. Neither political correctness nor popular opinion can reverse the judgment of God. The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 5.20 in the Amplified Bible tells us, Woe, judgment is coming to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So based upon his righteous judgment, his right to judge anyone and anything in the universe, God pronounced a death sentence upon life on planet Earth to bring an end to both man and beast, creeping things and birds, by the means of a massive flood. Okay, so far this story of Noah and the ark doesn't sound very redemptive or encouraging, but we will get there. Because you see, the encouragement comes when we understand that even in judgment, God wants to show mercy. Let me repeat that. Even in judgment, God wants to show mercy. James 2.13 in the Amplified Bible tells us, For judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. But to the one who has shown mercy, mercy triumphs victoriously over judgment. There are numerous passages of Scripture in the prophets and Psalms that tell us that God is good and that His mercy endures forever. You may want to read Psalm 118 and Psalm 136 as an example. If His mercy is a forever mercy, it is available even during times of judgment. This is confirmed in the text of Genesis 6-8 when we read, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then the next verse, verse 9, is a key verse. It tells us that Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations, and that Noah walked with God. Now, to put that in perspective, Second Chronicles 16.9 in the Living Bible reads, For the eyes of the Lord search back and forth across the whole earth, looking for people whose hearts are perfect toward him, so that he can show his great power in helping them. 1 Peter 3.12 in the voice translation reads, For the Lord watches over the righteous, and his ears are attuned to their prayers. But his face is set against his enemies. He will punish evildoers. Think about Noah and his household, enduring life among people so spiritually depraved and wicked that God wants to wipe them off the face of the earth. Think about the stress and pressure of living a godly life of faith in such a faithless, wicked world order. In this, I'm reminded of the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I especially like the rendering of this verse in the Phillips translation, where it reads, Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, 
But let God remold your minds from within you so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands, and moves toward the goal of true maturity. Noah did not allow the world to press him into its mold, and neither should we. So in the midst of God's judgment of the wickedness around him, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And as the beneficiary of that grace, God revealed his plan to preserve Noah and his household. Noah was given the plans to build an ark, quite literally, by definition, a box, a box that would float, a box big enough to contain Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their wives, and two of every kind of bird, animal, and creeping thing on earth. Now, Noah didn't complete a building project like that overnight, and Scripture does not tell us that God miraculously zapped the ark together for Noah. Noah had to put some sweat equity into the project. We're not sure exactly how long it took to build the ark, but there is speculation by the people who built the ark encounter in Williamstown, Kentucky, that the ark could have been built in less than 70 years. To put that into a modern perspective, information on their website indicates that it took less than three years to build a replica of the ark. But regardless of how long it took, 1 Peter 3.20 tells us that God waited patiently for Noah to build the ark. Noah was faithful to complete his assignment. The ark was finished. Then at God's command, he boarded the ark with his household and all the creatures in pairs. Scripture tells us that when the floodwaters were released, even the mountains were covered. But as the waters rose with destructive force upon the earth, the ark and its inhabitants rose above the destruction. If we follow the timeline of Genesis chapter 7 and chapter 8, Noah and his household were in the ark for more than a year. Think about the sounds and smells they would have experienced during this period of confinement. But through this confining event, Noah and his household came into the place of their new normal. In Genesis chapter 8, we find the ordeal is over. The ark is at rest on dry land and emptied of its passengers and cargo. We also find Noah building an altar and making offerings to the Lord. And we find the Lord entering into covenant with Noah. At the end of chapter 8, God promises to never again curse the ground or bring destruction to every living creature as he had in the flood. And as Genesis chapter 9 begins, God speaks blessing over Noah and his sons. I'm reading verses 1 through 3 in the King James Version. And so God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth, on every bird of the air, on all that moves on the earth, and all of the fish of the sea. They are given into your hand. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herbs. Next, I want to point out the similarity between the blessing of Noah in Genesis chapter 9 and the blessing of Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 1. I'm reading Genesis 1, verses 27 and 28 in the New King James Version. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. 
Noah and his household received the same blessing that Adam and Eve received from before the fall, before they had allowed sin to enter God's perfect creation. Before we leave this narrative, I would be neglectful if I did not mention the rainbow. Somehow the beauty of the rainbow has been hijacked for perverted purposes. But in fact, it's the sign of God's covenant with Noah, his sons, their descendants, and every living thing. It is the sign of God's promise to never again destroy the earth by flood. Now at this point, I'd like to try to pull these thoughts together and focus on their meaning for you and me today. First, we're living in a world order that is taking on the likeness of the world of the days of Noah. More and more believers are living with unholy pressure of a pagan societal norm. What God regards as evil, perverse, and wicked has now become politically correct and intellectually acceptable. False gods and religions abound. Indeed, we're seeing the truth of 1 John 4.3. There is an anti-Christian spirit operating in the earth. The believer's answer to the gloom and doom and destruction of this world order is to live as Noah lived, in fellowship with Father. Noah walked with God. Our God is no respecter of persons. We know from Hebrews 11.7 that Noah operated in faith. It's out of his walk of faith with God that Noah preserved his household and avoided the wrath of God against the sin of the world. We too can function in faith like Noah, even in an evil day, and find his hand of deliverance and redemption. The second point is, Noah had never built an ark before, but that did not stop God from giving him the plans. And it didn't stop Noah from beginning to build. For us today, God may use some things that we've never heard of before to take us above the perversion, corruption, and wickedness of this present world order into a season and place unlike anything we could humanly think or imagine. If we will walk with God, listen and obey His voice, if we will activate His plan, our season of confinement can become an opportunity to rise up and pass over the death and destruction of this world order. Thirdly, let me ask you, what does your floating box look like? Are you willing to build according to God's plan? God's blueprint is beyond purely human imagination. There's a difference between a good idea and a God idea. Incidentally, God's plan is for more than you. Noah was not alone on the ark. Future generations are depending on us to both discern and do the will of God in this season. The fourth point is timing. In Genesis 7-1 and Genesis 8-16, God told Noah when to enter the ark and when to exit. Noah did not board the ark too late, nor did he leave it too soon. This tells us that God has a timing for our deliverance and our destiny. Again, God is no respecter of persons. If you are in a confining situation, seek God's timing. This could be your ark. Don't operate in presumption. Wait upon the Lord. Let him renew your strength. This is a season that it's imperative to move in the correct timing. Finally, it's important to note that Noah did not go back to an old normal. He entered a new era. This should speak to us today. The old normal is not God's best. Our faith should be challenged to believe God for a better day than the days before COVID-19 and all the chaos and strife we've seen on the news this year. 
As we conclude today's podcast, I want to remind you that we begin with Jesus' words from Luke 21, 28. So when troubles begin, don't be afraid. Look up, raise your head high, because the truth is that your liberation is fast approaching. In 2 Chronicles 16, 9, we learn God is searching back and forth across the whole earth, looking for people whose hearts are perfect toward him so that he can show his great power in helping them. In this season, God is able to take what's been pressing in on you, that resistance that's been holding you back, and turn it into a catapult to launch you into your God-designed destiny. He's able to take a season of confinement and turn it into liberation, freedom, and redemption. By faith today, decree with me. Say, I refuse to fear. I will lift up my head because my redemption is on the way. Say, God is working even now to turn my disaster into the destiny he dreamed for me from before the foundation of the earth. Say, the mess that has held me hostage is becoming my message of God's deliverance and blessing. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith God. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. I want to remind you that you can communicate with us through our God's Family Plan Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. We welcome your comments, suggestions, praise reports, and prayer requests. Until next time, this is Dave Burnett. Kathy and I bless you and your household. May his grace and favor be multiplied to you. In Jesus' name, amen.